We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We are in the infant stages of season two. It is our second season as a 24-7, 365-day-a-year podcast. I am your host today. I am Jacob Westendorf and excited for the beginning of training camp, the beginning of the Matt LaFleur era, the beginning of what we hope to be a very successful winning season joined with me as always today and every day of course jason perone and i know how much he loves that nickname so i use it any chance i can get jason how are we doing today there is some gray in the beard so that's fine you said together every day i want everyone to understand i don't live in jake's basement jake and frankie's basement i just want to make it very clear i've got my own house and i pay my own rent so yeah it's good to be back at it not manufacturing any any info or action. We actually have some stuff to talk about. Good upbeat first couple days of training camp. And as far as I know, no major or no new injuries. So let's leave that at that. But it's it's good to have some football back. And I know a lot of us are excited to get the putrid taste of the last two seasons out of our mouth. Yeah, we are. And very excited to... I get this new year under underway here. So today, Sunday, July 28th, as you're listening to this, it'll be the first day in full pads, which is always, I remember when I was in high school, that was like, that really was the beginning of football because helmets and shorts, that's cool. Saturday, the pack with just shoulder pads, a little more contact involved there, but not really. Uh, it's, it's not football until they really throw the pads on and start hitting a little bit. So, that was always like the beginning of the year for us. I imagine the Packers feel the same way. Somebody who used to really love and talk very frequently about the beginning of padded practices uh, with Mike Daniels. And I know it's been a few days, but it appears that my opinion on this situation is a little bit stronger. So I definitely wanted to go into this a little bit. Let's start, Jason. It was Wednesday and you know, you said to me something along the lines of, well, good thing camp starts this week. We have something to talk about because nothing's going on. And then you put, oh, wait, 
I'm like, what are you talking about? I had been actually working. So to my bosses, see, I do pay attention to work while I'm working. Um, but I had been working and I had to look and catch up on the news. And it was that Mike Daniels had been released hours before that. They had announced that Dean Lowry had got a contract extension. Those two moves seem to have gone hand in hand uh, in terms of how the decision has been made. But Jason, we can talk about the why and the how and all that stuff, but it had been discussed briefly that the Packers and specifically Mike Patton have a bit of a type, if you will, for what they want their defensive linemen to look like, how they want them to stand, how long their arms are, all that stuff. They have a type. And Mike Daniels was not that type. He was a squatty body, short guy, and apparently the Packers thought of him as a part-time interior pass rusher instead of a full-time starter. But even still, I don't think anybody really anticipated that the Packers would move on from him now, and they did. Uh, So let's just start there. What was the initial shock level when – you find out Daniels was released. And I am also going to point out again that in protest, I am wearing my Mike Daniels jersey for this broadcast of this podcast because I don't agree with the decision, and I'll tell you guys why here in a little while. But, Jason, before we get into whether we agree, agree, disagree, or otherwise, yeah, what was your initial shock level when you found out the Packers had let him go? That they let Mike Daniels go wasn't as surprising as when it happened and that they were releasing him. At the time, we don't know where he's going to end up or what the situation is going to be. So then obviously we can't speak to um, it from a value standpoint or from a logical or did it make sense or was it a win for the Packers in terms of a trade or what they're gaining versus losing. I mean, Mike Daniels was a big part of the defense for a lot of years. He made an impact right away as a rookie in 2012. Remember the Sunday night game against the Lions where he scooped up a fumble in the snow and ran it back for a touchdown. And, you know, he's always a big vocal part of the defense. He was the guy that a lot of Packers fans wanted the Green Bay defense to have more of because it just seemed like, you know, there was that time period where everyone wanted to use the term soft to describe the defense, and Mike Daniels, at least from an optical standpoint, wasn't that. So to let a guy like that go after such so many years is, is always going to be surprising, and it's going to be something to get used to. But I knew that he wasn't going to be back after this season. I, I didn't know whether he I, – I mean, I figured he would play this year out. But, you know, Jake, I don't know if we specifically talked about it, but as soon as last season ended, I was starting to say, like, they might want to think about trading Mike Daniels to get something for him before he walks out the door after this season and they don't get anything for him because you got a guy that was in a Pro Bowl two seasons ago and it stands to reason that you're going to get something for him. That was the biggest surprise for me, though, was that they just kind of let him go. And now all the speculation and all of the the different things are coming out about what could have happened and why and why did the Packers just let him go? Were they doing him a solid, letting him pick his location and just kind of saying, hey, thanks, we're letting you go. It's kind of crappy that we're doing this. I mean, his wife had just tweeted a, like a day prior that she was getting ready for training camp. She had her Daniels Packers jersey on, and then he's getting called upstairs, as Aaron Rodgers said in his interview. And when guys get called upstairs, that's basically code for they're getting let go. So it's something we're going to have to get used to, but, I mean, this is only happening one season sooner than it was going to anyway. And I think the Packers personally are going to be fine in terms of, of how they function without Mike Daniels. It was more of the timing than anything. Timing indeed, I think that was definitely part of it. Uh, I'm not a fan of it personally, um, and there's a lot that goes into that. My biggest thing here is you have Mike Daniels on your team, obviously, and he's still a good player, uh, regardless of whether or not he's the same player he was. I think we can both agree that he probably wasn't. He's coming off of a foot injury, which certainly isn't an easy thing, uh, especially for a defensive lineman, but a professional athlete in general. Injuries from the knee down are always going to be relatively serious. So, when Daniels comes back with a foot injury and they go through everything, and you know Brian Gutekunst said they were going through some trade discussions, and that's kind of why the timing was the way that it was. Here's my thing. 
even if you view him as a part-time player, cap space is not a player. Uh, if you want to think that, you know, I, I've, I've made this reference with Brian Balaga in recent shows. I made it with Mike Daniels after the draft. You can't reallocate the resources you were going to use on Mike Daniels, which was about $9 million in salary cap space. How is it possible that Gutekunst makes me eat crow and trades for a player with the space he was going to use with Mike Daniels later in the year? Yeah, that's possible. I would still call that unlikely. My thought is that the Packers have made their move and believe they are all in. When you sign Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Billy Turner and Adrian Amos and spend all that money in free agency, future years have now taken a back seat to this year and this year now is what matters the most and I believe you made your all in move and now Mike makes you a better team this year even if he's only a part time player and the number the cap number when they're like oh nobody you know the rebut to that is well nobody wants to spend you know ten million dollars on a, a part-time player. Who cares? It's for one year. One year you can let him walk out the door if you so choose. Or if you're hell-bent on letting him go because the, here's the rebuttal that I can get on board with is Montrevious Adams, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster to a lesser extent, Zikiki, they want to see what they have. With those, that part I understand. And if that's the case, I still don't love it because I think obviously Daniels is a better player than those guys. But I can at least understand getting on board with that. But the cap space stuff, flexibility, all those things, I don't care about those. The Packers, after the release of Daniels, said about $15 million under the salary cap. They roll over. $10 million every year and they claim it's for moves and they never make any moves during the season that are significant enough for that kind of flexibility. So frankly, I don't care about the cap space and I think that's a horrible reason for them to cut Daniels because it's not like they were up against it. But if they want to use their young guys and all that stuff, I understand that. And if that's what you're going to do, however, supposedly there were 13 teams interested in him and at least four that were willing to pay him the same deal or more that he got from the Detroit Lions. If that's the case, if you were able to trade Ty Montgomery for a conditional seventh-round pick, that's almost nothing. But what it did do when they traded Montgomery was guarantee that he wouldn't go to New England, teach them the Packers' playbook, and then have Belichick cut him a week later. Like That's exactly something he would have done. You control now where Mike Daniels goes. And you control the fact that he doesn't have to play against you twice a year. You trade him to the other conference, take your conditional sixth-round pick, let him go play there and get a deal as a free agent if he so chooses. But I really think the Packers botched this whole thing because Daniels is still good enough to play on the team. The fact that he signed in Detroit, that's really just salt in the wound. Jason, we've discussed this off the air, obviously. But it's not a big deal. Are the Lions going to be a division favorite now that they've signed Mike Daniels? No. Uh, I still very firmly think the Lions are going to finish in last in the NFC North this year. So that part, not that big of a deal. But, yeah, I, I think that the Packers definitely could have done a better job with this whole situation. So it came down to me, I would have kept him, and I don't care about the cap space. So, Jason, I've talked long enough. The floor is yours. How do you feel? Well, they didn't get enough for him because it's Mike Daniels. So that I do agree with. I'm not arguing against that. I've been very vocal about my thoughts about how this whole thing went down. The whole Packers botched the situation. Yeah, I mean, at face value, easy to say. Because Mike Daniels isn't the kind of player that you shouldn't walk away with nothing in return for. Like you said, you used Ty Montgomery as an example. Mike Daniels, I think, was a lot more valuable to the defense at least as soon as two years ago than Ty Montgomery ever was. So, I mean... you. Seventh round conditional pick is something. They got nothing. Um, 
we weren't in the room, though. We don't know what the situation was behind it. There's been some comparisons to Josh Sitton getting cut and the whispers why and why that happened. Now, that happened on the eve of, like, the preseason or the regular season. That happened at the end of training camp, and that was a much different timing. So it was a little bit more curious there. Um, as far as, as Daniels goes, here's how I kind of compare it. A week ago today, were Lions, Bears, and Vikings fans, you know, when they think about all of the, the players that they have to worry about this upcoming season, was Mike Daniels even on that list? No, he was not. And if you base it on last year, Mike Daniels was a virtual zero because he only played half a season and he had injuries. Now, he could recover and return to Pro Bowl form and light the world on fire playing next to Snacks Harrison in Detroit, and that's obviously not going to bode well for the Packers who have to play the Lions twice. But Mike Daniels is not, the, you know, the, his acquisition to the, to the Lions is not going to add a single victory or put a, a win in the win column, at least not that I know of. I mean, yeah, he could pick up a fumble and be a game changer, but he's not a field-tilting type of a guy at this point. So it's, it's more of an emotional thing, I think, than anything where Packers fans love the guy. Now he's suddenly let go at a juncture where we expected him to be with the team all season. They didn't get anything for him, and he goes to the Lions. It's just it's just a gut punch factor is really what it is that I think everyone's trying to work through and deal with, more so than the actual impact that he's going to have, which I don't think is going to be that much. That remains to be seen. His impact will be, I guess, well, uh, we have no now to wait. Um, like I mentioned, I don't think that I don't think that he's going to do anything real special for the Lions. I don't think, well, he'll make the Lions better. I just don't think it'll be a big enough difference. I think Matt Patricia's a clown. I think that uh, the Lions organization as a whole is very poor. Matthew Stafford, I'll never have a whole lot of faith in the team that has him as their starting quarterback. All that stuff. We can talk about all that stuff when we get closer to the regular season on how exactly I feel about the Lions. But the Packers definitely, it sounds like, could have gotten something for Mike Daniels, and the fact that they didn't, that's bothersome, uh, to say the very least. You know, I know that everybody seems to love Brian Gutekunst, and I think he's done a relatively good job, but there are some things that he has botched, and I think this is one of them. Uh, whether or not it comes back to bite the Packers remains to be seen, but there's something else I know is that defensive line depth is something that definitely matters. And I just don't think it's something that you should willingly give away. Uh, it definitely feels like that's what the Packers did. So we'll see if it matters, how much it matters later in the year, all that sort of stuff. The other thing I want to talk about is Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry got his contract extension. I think Gutekunst uh, described him perfectly in his media availability on Wednesday. He called him Steady Eddie. Basically, uh, he's gotten better every year. He's consistent. He's not a field tilting player. So if you want him to be Kenny Clark, he's not going to be that. But he is a good player, an average to above average starter. Somebody I saw, I think it was on in the chat of the, the Packers press conference, it said he's average and we don't need average. And it's like, well, guys, like it's not like Madden where every starter can be an 85 and above. Average to above average starters definitely have value. And the Packers have found that value. So I am happy with the Lowry extension. He is from the same town as me, uh, which matters a little, I guess. <laughs> um, I saw him play in high school, so I think that's kind of cool. I always refer to him as Rockford, Illinois' finest. Um, big year for guys like that. So, Jason, quickly on Dean Lowry before we transition into camp. How would you feel about the extension? Well, I happen to trust in the front office. So it was – I was actually more pleased than you, you would think because I haven't said much about it. But, what, I mean, how much better of a situation can it be when you're offering a second contract to a mid-round pick? That's phenomenal. You know, and he came in and he was a, a fiery kid. He played a little bit towards the end of the 2016 season. Dean Lauer actually played some meaningful snaps in that, that run the table. And he's only been a solid part of the team since then. And, you know, I mean, 
everybody fits a niche role, and there's certain players that Green Bay Packers fans latch onto. I think Dean Lowry could be one of those guys. So, I mean, it's, it's a big win in terms of the value that they got. They made a really good pick there, and you're able to give them a second deal. Um, I, I will say, I don't, I don't, if anybody thought the Lowry signing was a tip that Daniels was going to be let go, then they must have a better crystal ball than I do. I don't think those two were connected at the time. But it's great. I mean, it's a guy that's been with the team for a while, maintained some of that continuity, maintained the depth up front now that you have one less guy up front. Although I think the Packers have uh, kind of um, tried to address that in their in their own way, and there's going to be some interesting things they'll do with the guys that they have. But it's good. It, it definitely more of a good thing than a bad thing. So welcome back, Dean, and, and uh, good to have him in town for a couple more years. Yeah, however many more. Uh, it's at least a three-year extension, so we'll see uh, if he fits through that whole thing. But uh, I would imagine he does. He's been he's gotten better every year. There's been some splash plays, some moments where you're like, "Hey, that was Dean Lowry." But I mean, he's a good player. I think that that's really what it boils down to. And the Packers need more good players uh, around for the future, and Dean Lowry is certainly one of them. Um, so that's the case for the defensive line. Uh, let's go into what we've gotten through the first three days of training camp. So something kind of cool with the timing of Jason and my recording is that, you know, the Packers have had a three-day stint in training camp. So we kind of have a chance to recap what we've seen so far as far as trends and things of that nature. So something through the first couple days, obviously, is going to be uh, the wide receiver position. They're going to talk about that a lot. You know, today, Saturday, as we record here, Jamon Moore had a couple big plays. Uh, Geronimo Allison had a big day. Trevor Davis had a big day. They're kind of the other receivers, if you will, and the other ones, I mean, Devontae Adams and Mark and Alden Scantling are the guys that I think are firmly entrenched at this point, at least. Obviously, that can change, especially with Valdez Scantling. Uh, but they are firmly entrenched as guys that are at the top of the roster. And you get now the other guys, it seems like are kind of taking turns in terms of who it is that is having big days. And Allison was definitely one. Equinemia St. Brown had a big first two days. He had a play on the first day of camp where he got behind the entire defense. Would have been a touchdown, uh, but Deshaun Kaiser overshot him. The next day, the same thing happened. Kaiser doesn't overshoot him. Brown catches a touchdown. This is a guy who I think, in terms of St. Brown, that I think could end up being the third wide receiver behind Adams and Valdez Scanling. His athleticism, his athletic upside, all those things are higher than that of Geronimo Allison. But every time I say that, Allison has another big day at camp today. And he's a guy who probably just doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of projections and things like that. But he just keeps making plays whenever he's been given an opportunity. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think the Packers have a great receiving core by any stretch. I think there's a lot of question marks in it. But, Jason, we're talking about, I mean, I went through those guys. Jamon Moore, I mentioned, that had a good day today. Uh, Trevor Davis had a good day. Jay Kumaro has had some good moments in camp. I mean, with those things in mind, ultimately, how excited are you to see the way that this shakes out when games start being played, pads start coming on, and just seeing the competition level raise from those guys on this part of the roster. I don't know. I'm glad that we're having this problem and we have it, we're having this discussion. Jamon Moore was somebody I wanted to see come out and look good in camp. And I mean, you don't you can discount camp all you want, but they have to they have to have something to judge these guys on. So the first couple of days, if he's doing something, that's good. His footwork was, I know something he was working on. If it if it's a you know if it's like one of those situations where the wide receiver position has this entire coaching staff at each other's throats and like you know past midnight in the boardroom trying to figure out, that's a good thing. They've got a good group of guys, and Geronimo Allison. I mean. I don't know. I mean, after Mike Daniels, is anything off the table that could happen as far as player moves this season? No, but I think he's a guy that you have to keep. I mean, he's just a steady presence, and you can move him around, and and guys are going to get injured. You don't want to plan on an injury, hopefully definitely not to 17, but 
if you know MVS goes down, EQ goes down, you're going to want a guy like Allison on your depth chart. You know, putting a younger guy in there or opting, you know, for someone because Allison is quote unquote redundant to some of the guys that are already there, I think is would would be a mistake. So, you know, the receiver room is is looking good. They've got a lot of good options, young players. We have to see it manifest itself on game day. But with the the type of energy that I've already heard the offense has and with a rejuvenated, hopefully a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers and an offense that's actually going to put these guys in position to catch balls and get open, it's it's a great thing. It's it's a great story so far, um, you know, as far as, as, as positions of depth because the game of attrition that football is, you're going to need depth, and the Packers seem to have some pretty quality depth, and they're lucky because it looks like all three of these guys they drafted last year in the middle rounds could end up playing some big dividends for them. I just talked about Dean Lowry getting a second contract. I mean, you're going to have three guys that could potentially be getting re-signed in two or three years that were all picked in the fourth round or later at wide receiver. That's that's not a bad thing at all. Definitely not. I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of guys that are, are making some plays, so that's a positive. You know, Geronimo Allison, I definitely think has. A, a spot on this roster. Um, I just don't know, you know, where if, if there's a time where he gets passed up on a depth chart like St. Uh, by someone like a St. Brown, for example. But as I say that, like I said, you know, he just keeps making plays in camp. He made plays games last year. Granted, it was a short sample size, but Packers had he was their leading leading receiver through their first, I think, four or five games or something like that. So, I mean, small sample, but not like you know, one or two games. Uh, he is coming off an injury and all that stuff. So, all that stuff will be interesting to watch. I think that, um, you know, what's it really going to boil down to? Who makes plays when the pads come on? Who makes plays against other teams when that happens? And we'll kind of go from there in terms of the receiver competition. And that doesn't even include guys like uh, Teal Redding, and uh, Shepard from North Dakota State, one of the undrafted free agents, they've made a few plays on camp early as well. So there's some interesting guys from probably a score, but that will be seen. Um, the the Packers, I mean, like I said, there's guys, and that's going to be fun to watch here for the next you know couple weeks in terms of that competition. Let's shift gears a little bit. It is the first training camp. We had somebody ask us, you know, what the what the feel was like in terms of camp compared to Mike McCarthy's in the last couple of years. And I mean, honestly, I think the answer from what I've gathered, I have not been at camp myself, but from what I've gathered from everybody else is that there's a a high amount of energy in Packers camp this year. And I think some of that was to be expected. New regime, New offense, just a new, brand new group of people really injecting some energy and some life into this franchise. But it really sounds like drill to drill. There's a lot of energy in there. Uh, there's a, a high a high tempo to practice. There's a lot of different stuff uh, going on from previous years. No regeneration periods. Really loud music in practice. I mean, Jason, I know it's just one one game or one week, I should say. But I mean, doesn't some of this stuff at least give you a glimpse into maybe what Matt LaFleur is establishing in terms of culture, something else that came to mind for me almost immediately was that on, I believe it was Friday, the second day of, it was raining outside. And I know for a fact in the past that Mike McCarthy would have taken team inside the Hudson Center canceled practice, all that stuff. And basically Matt LaFleur said, you guys call that rain? Like it's football. So that'll be something that I think is worth watching as well uh, in terms of LaFleur just being a little bit tougher uh, on some of these guys that maybe had gotten in the past. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, obviously there's going to be a lot more that goes into whether or not Matt LaFleur is successful. But so far... There haven't been a lot of tests to pass, but I think he's passed them through these first three days. From what you've gathered, because obviously I wasn't there and you were not either, but from what you gathered, do you think that's true as well? Yeah, I like the energy and the vibe, and it's funny because um, 
remember Lafleur's intro press conference, and he was very humble and aw shucksy, and you know got emotional because of the opportunity and talking about the organization and the opportunity and just hey, you know I hope to kind of figure this thing out. And now he's kind of come into his own. He's got a little bit of boxy. Um, you know, he, he get he gets up there when he talks to reporters and they're asking questions. And if it's not really something he wants to get into, he just kind of shoves it off. You know, Mike, Mike McCarthy was kind of dismissive, whereas LaFleur is just like, nah, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Or, you know, an injury or be like, no, not long term, nothing long term, just short, simple. Like, you know, I don't really want to get too in depth with it all, but I like his transparency. And I like the fact that, you know, he gets up there and, and, started out at least what I saw, I think it was the first day of training camp where he listed the injuries and what they were. And the transparency is just kind of nice. It's kind of nice to see. And I also like that the, the whole, like you call that rain, it's football, like, you know, instilling the expectation that this team is going to persevere regardless of the elements. I mean, obviously if you're going to coach in green Bay, you better be ready for any kind of weather. So it's a small thing, but yeah, I like the vibe a lot, and I only expect it to get better as the season goes along. You know, we talked before we started recording, this team could do a lot of different things this season in terms of their record, and I know that uh, on our other show, we're going to go through our season preview and break down game by game, but I think the first four to six games of this season are really going to tell us the most. That's where we're going to have to have a little bit of extra patience, because we've had the same guy running the team for the last 13 years, 12 years. And it's, it's going to take some time for everything to gel. But at least they're not starting from a position of a lot of question marks and, and disaster situations and just, you know, messes that the team has to deal with. So I, I think they're in a good spot. I think, I think LaFleur is, is definitely passing, as I say, the eyeball test. But it's still early uh, through just these first couple days. Yeah, it's early, and I remember, I mean, you mentioned that first press conference. I kind of joked afterwards. They said, what are you most thankful for? What was your, like, first impression of him as the coach? And I was like, then I'm thankful wins and losses won't come at the podium because he seemed really nervous, really uncomfortable. And now he's gotten more comfortable at the podium, to his credit. So that's something that's been fun to watch, his growth already uh, and his comfort level with the guys. It seems like the team is responding to him, but again, we're through three days. You know, how much can you really establish in those terms in three days? But I do like, from what I've heard, tempo of practice, the moving from drill to drill, the intensity of these drills. You know, the other day, I think it was Friday, they mentioned that the defense had a big stand at the goal line and they went nuts and the competition level was getting high uh, in terms of between the offense and the defense. So, that's been fun to watch. That's been fun to pay attention to. I'm a firm believer that comp- the competition breeds excellence. Uh, and I'm not so sure over the last couple of years how much competition there was between the offense and the defense, really, uh, but just from player to player on Mike McCarthy's uh, last couple of years here in the regime. So it's refreshing. Uh, whether or not it matters remains to be seen. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse yet because ultimately it doesn't matter how Matt LeFleur runs practices if the Packers are not going to win games. And that's what it really comes down to. They're going to have to win games in order for him to be a successful head coach. There's your John Madden analysis for the day. Uh, Jason, in terms of camp as well, let's let's talk about the defense because somebody who has flashed every day in practice, according to our own Andy Herman, is Rashawn Gary. And Rashawn Gary is somebody who athletically looks the part. His potential is limitless because of it. Uh, but a lot of people really were not happy with the way that the Packers went about the draft. 12 overall, they took Rashawn Gary instead of Brian Burns, Montez Sweat, a couple other guys. Um, Gary has made a couple plays early in camp. Now, will that matter once he starts playing other people? I don't know. Uh, but at least something that is comforting early is just you can see his potential. According to, and this is several people, Andy Herman, Ross Uglum, uh, Rob Demosky made a comment about it. Jason Willie's made a comment about it. There's been several people that have made comments about how you can see what it is that the Packers love about having Rashawn Gary available to them. So with that in mind, Jason, I know at the time we didn't have a whole lot of nice things to say, but do you think that maybe it's possible that you're starting to feel a little bit better about the selection 
um, and that Gary could find a way to be a productive player in his rookie season? He is going to be productive. I was already better with it before any of this started. You know, I just – and I base it on different things than, than a lot of other people. A lot of people want to see it on the field. They want to see it in pads. I just base it off of his responses when asked about what's in front of him and, and just the stories that his teammates told and the type of player that he is. I mean, he's a guy that's going to get vocal on the sidelines. He's kind of that guy that's, you know, you see the hype guy in the middle of the huddle getting the team fired up, and I could see him being that. You know, I talk about parallels a lot, and they're not similar players, but 10 years ago at this time, we were talking about another rookie, number 52, that we were hoping was going to have a huge impact on the defense in Clay Matthews, and he absolutely did. By the end of the season, he was one of the key players in the defense, and then just one season later, he was a big part of why the Packers won a championship. So obviously that's not guaranteed to happen 10 years later, but Rashawn Gary is, um, you know, I think the fuel that he might be using besides his own fire and his own desire to succeed in the NFL, even though some people have labeled him as lazy, not committed to football, um, is kind of that reaction that we gave him on draft night. He knows and he saw that people weren't thrilled with the selection. I mean, we sat there silent on, on a hangout with the three or four of us that watched the draft, and you're a Michigan fan. And we sat there silent like, what did they just do? But so far, and they hadn't broken camp yet to see what Rashawn Gary would do over these past three days. And again, like I said earlier, it's only three practices, and they're in shorts. They're not even in – I mean, today they were in, pad, in shoulder pads, but they're not in, in full pads yet. But, you know, this has to make those that are really still upset about Mike Daniels being gone uh, feel a little bit better because Rashawn Gary is going to rotate – there on the line and whether or not he's going to be in the middle or not, but he's part of that front rotation. And so there's another body that can help make up for some of the lost production that you're going to lose with Daniels being gone. It's, it's a great sign. I mean, he's your number one overall pick. He was considered a reach by some that high. You, you want his name to be among the first talked about in camp. So it's, it's a very, very good case scenario for the Packers. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the stuff that was said about Gary. A lot of it was unfair. The doesn't love football, the low motor, all that crap was. And we talked about that after the show, so I don't need to get into that too much. But, you know, something today that they had, it was a third down pass rushing unit. They have Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on both edges, Kenny Clark and Zadarius Smith uh, on the interior. And that's something that was exciting. I mean, this time a year ago, they were using Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Clay Matthews, and Nick Perry, Kyler Fackrell to some degree also, uh, in terms of who was going to rush the passer. And the Packers are far and away better on the front, assuming everyone's healthy. They're far and away better on the front now because of the additions they've made. And Rashawn Gary's going to play a big part as a leader. Clearly love him. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit. It was kind of funny because one of the big debates when the offseason started was basically – did the Packers, you know, screw up by winning that Jets game and losing out four draft spots? And I honestly think that it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Detroit obviously picked eight. They took T.J. Hawkinson. The Bills took Ed Oliver. John Williams was taken there. And then Devin Bush was ultimately traded up for by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I don't think it would have mattered. If the Packers were picking eight, they would have picked Sean Gary. Just talk about and reading about everything they've said about him, they love this guy. Uh, and again, that obviously will not matter once the season starts. Um, but it's it's a good start for him for camp, and I think that that is only positive going forward. I think the Packers uh, are obviously going to be counting on him a lot, and hopefully he can have – I mean, having an impact the way that Clay Matthews did in his rookie season is going to be difficult – just because Matthews was a defensive rookie of the year type player in his rookie season, 10 sacks, uh, made that big splash play on Monday Night Football against the Vikings and took a ball away from Adrian Peterson and returned for a touchdown. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of things that have happened for 
for Rashawn Gary and the Packers. Um, and I think that in order for him to be in good shape, I, I think all this works. So I think it's a positive for Gary to start uh, the season here on a high note. Obviously, we'll see more from Darnell Savage, uh, hopefully early next week. Maybe tomorrow, but he missed for three practices with uh, having his wisdom teeth removed. So he's put on the non-football injury list. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think that Savage is somebody who can make an impact as well. But if the Packers can get an impact from those two guys, they really are in really good shape in terms of how deep and talented this defense could be. Now, Jason, as you always say, and as everybody, whoever pays attention to football always says, game ain't played on paper. So what these guys are doing and what it looks like on paper, what it looks like in Madden, what it looks like in training camp, none of that matters until September 5th when they come to the Bears. Last thing here before we get moving here, Jason, the last two days the Packers have added two running backs to their roster. Uh, Corey Grant, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was signed as a free agent after the release of Mike Daniels, so he took that spot. And then Darren Hall out of Pittsburgh was awarded to the Packers on waivers uh, just about 15 minutes ago. They're clearly adding some competition to their running back room. Jamal Williams missed today's practice with an injury. We'll see how long-term that is. It may be, it might not be. It's possible that, you know, it's a short-term injury and Green Bay doesn't do anything. But something I thought of the other day is Corey Grant has experience returning kickoffs, and he had a fantastic game a couple years ago in the AFC Championship game for the Jaguars, coordinated at the time by Nathaniel Hackett against the New England Patriots. May or may not matter, but watching Hackett and the way he used him, clearly they like him. Brian Gutekunst liked him. And if he's healthy, I like him too, and he can fly. This is a 4-2, 840-yard dash guy, and you see that speed on tape. He has experience returning kickoffs. That's some extra value he can bring to the team. And of the running backs on the roster, Aaron Jones has worked on his uh, skills in the passing game. But Corey Grant is probably the most invested, the most experienced, and the most effective in terms of playing in the passing game. So that's a positive that he can bring to the roster. And I just am curious to see, because in order to do that, I doubt they try and sneak Dexter Williams onto the practice squad because he's had a couple good runs in camp already as well. And they say that this zone scheme fits him perfectly, very much similar to the way Ryan Grant was uh, when he was in Green Bay a few years ago, no, several years ago at this point now, I guess is where we're getting the point. But he has that one cut and go ability. Jamal Williams, I can't picture them moving on from him this early. Uh, I think that he definitely has a role and a value to this roster. And then Aaron Jones is Aaron Jones. We don't have to go too much further on why he needs to be around. So, Jason, I go through all of that to say, most people have pretty much had it penciled in. Three running backs and a fullback, Danny Vitale. Do you think it's possible Green Bay keeps a fourth running back on their roster with the way LaFleur wants to run his offense and the different skill sets this guy can bring uh, to the team? I don't know. I was just thinking about that because I don't – there's a reason he was available. I don't know what that was necessarily. And, but I can't imagine after the highlight that I saw and the speed that he offers that you're going to be able to – I don't even know if Grant's eligible to be on the practice squad at this point, but I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to stash him away either. I mean, they're they're going to have a lot of good problems in their, you know, I like they're adding depth, they're adding competition, and until the games start, we don't know what Dexter Williams is going to be. I mean, Jamal Williams, you know, hopefully it's not a long-term injury. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are your one and two, clearly. Danny Vitale is your fullback. I don't know a whole, a whole lot about how the fullback fits into Lafleur's offense, but he's going to be a part of this team in 2019, so those three are for sure. As far as a, as a fourth guy, you know, yeah, Dex Williams, Grant, Hall, until we see the preseason start of these guys in pads, that's when we're really going to know what's going on there. And that's so, you know, when you think about guys that could potentially emerge in training camp or in preseason like we see happen every year, the Oneida All-Stars, the Oneida Hall of Famers, running back could be a position to keep an eye on because you've got a three-legged three three horse here. Uh, horse race, which doesn't even make sense. Um, so there's my <laughs> idiot comment of the day. But you've got a you've got a three headed horse race, I guess, um, between those three, and so it's it's gonna it's gonna depend. I mean, Grant has some really good game experience, and if he can also be a returner, his value jumps. I don't know if Dexter Williams can do that, but 
the Packers did invest a draft pick on him, and he seemed to be a, a decent performer through many camps, and like you said, for the, the first couple days of camp. So uh, we'll see. But I like the fact that they're not just resting on what they've got, which is something that kind of tended to happen in the past. They keep trying to get better in that room. They're going to run the ball a lot. You know, it's been said ad nauseum on every other podcast, so we might as well add it in here as well. Matt LaFleur is saying they're going to marry the run in the pass, marry the run in the pass. And if they're going to run that much, then it might be worth maybe looking at keeping an extra body on the roster at running back because those guys take a lot of hits. Aaron Jones has had injury issues in the past. Javal Williams is a little banged up right now. So if you're going to run the ball that much, you're going to need bodies in order to do it. So it's not a bad thing. I like what they're doing in the room. Yeah, I think you said it well. They're not resting on their laurels. They're looking. I actually do think that this is a a regime that is looking to get better every single day. Now, whether their methods are accurate or not remains to be seen. But a lot of exciting stuff going on in Green Bay. Jason, the next time you and I record for Pack-A-Day, Packers will have played a game by then, so somewhat exciting. Well, it remains to be seen. Aaron Rodgers hinted at the notion that it's possible that the starters I mean, play more in the preseason than they have in the past, which is, take it for what it's worth, uh, could be something, it could be nothing. Uh, that remains to be seen at, at this point in time. So, at that with all that being said, that's going to do it for this edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Uh, be sure to check out the show. Send us a review, all that stuff we play. iTunes podcast. Uh, your podcasting, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, we're on it. So check it out. There's a lot of great people. It's Packers training camp now. So like Jason said, it's not like we're trying to manufacture content at this point. We actually have live reactions to things that are actually happening on the field on a day basis. So today... As you're listening on a Sunday, first padded practice today. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun to keep up on, check things out, see how everything's going to go uh, now that the pads are on, because that is ultimately where you can see if a player can actually play or not, because there's a lot of players that can play in shorts, but their game isn't played in shorts and shells. It's played with pads on. So that's going to be fun to watch. Packers play on Thursday, August 8th, I believe is the date, against the Houston Texans. If anybody is going to the joint practices with Texans, please let me know. That's something I'm very curious about. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm unable to make it to Green Bay for that. Uh, that's something that I certainly would like to see. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to get to training camp for August 10th and 11th. But that's another thing. If you're going to be in town for August 10th and 11th, I will be up there that weekend. Let's chat. Let's have some drinks. Let's talk Packers football, all that stuff. You can follow the show. I go through all that. Follow the show on Twitter. It's that Pack Today Podcast. You can follow Jason. He's at Jason Perone. You can follow me at Jason. Packers training camp underway. First season under Matt LaFleur. The second season of the Packer Day Podcast. Hopefully a much better season than the one we had last year that we all got through. Thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. And, of course, go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.